Hello and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 280 and part two of my conversation with Southern Mississippi University percussion professor, John Wooten. We'll get to him shortly. As discussed in last week's opening, Snowpocalypse 2022 occurred in mid-Missouri, though we only managed to get about 10 inches of snow over a course of a couple days. Mizzou was put on remote learning for the rest of the week, as is the decisions now, because the ice that preceded the snow, along with the amount of snowfall and the fact that the temperatures barely got above freezing, if it did at all, meant that the streets side and main ones barely got cleared off. So we had multiple days of remote learning, and that was a challenge that we managed. The good news was that one of our Mizzou friends offered to host some people for one of these afternoons, and we were able to do some sledding, which was a ton of fun, as well as being very tiring. They, they did not have a, any type of ski lift put in, so that was, uh, that was a little disappointing, but still a great time. Otherwise, classes seem to be going off okay, and I'm sure this is going to be a fast-moving semester. So let's get back to John Wooten. If you heard last week's part one, which I highly recommend for many reasons, you'll get a lot of talk of John discussing all things Southern Miss, his active performing career, his love of steel band, his physical activities, and growing up in Louisiana. This time on part two, you'll hear John talk more about his undergrad and master's degrees, along with the random ask question segment, which will answer the question... How did John Wooten become Dr. Throwdown? And other queries. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on January 6th, 2022. And it begins right now. I was trying to remember. um, I know that like, because the school you're at is, is now just, is it? Louisiana Lafayette, or the school you were at was yeah, in your town was Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. But that wasn't the original name, right? No, it, the original name actually was when I was there was University of Southwestern Louisiana. Okay, USL. I still call it USL. You know, it's, that was my school, USL Raging Cajuns. Yeah. Um, and before that, it was UL. University of Louisiana, I think it was a it was a teachers college. Yeah, okay. Actually, it's very similar to this school. It start this this school Southern Miss started out as a teachers college, teachers okay. only. Yeah, this, they, this is where you went in Mississippi to learn to be a teacher, and that was the same thing at you you uh, forget oh SLU Southwestern okay. Louisiana University is what okay. it was called. I think that's my my grandparents and my mom went to that university as well. Mm. And my dad was teaching there at the time. He was, a, he's a, my dad was a, um, an author. He was a poet. Oh, okay. He was an artist in residence along with Ernest Gaines, who did mm. you know, the uh, autobiography, Miss Jane Pittman. Yeah. Uh, what's it, a couple of his books. Were Piano there. Lesson, was that him? No, uh, I know, I know the name. I can't remember. Think of, I know what there's a known uh, world. I can't, you know, I should I know that. Yeah. There's a couple of them that made into movies. Yeah. You could probably look it up. I'm, I'm looking at anyway, My there. dad did his autobiography. Oh, nice. So Ernest Gaines' autobiography was written by my dad. And then, but then he moved out to, to California in 90, 91. Yeah, started teaching at uh, San Luis Obispo. Okay. Uh, in California, Cal Poly. As an artist in residence there, creative writing, and then he passed away two years ago. So, a lesson before dying. Uh, yeah, lesson before lesson. dying. Yeah, that's it. I looked yeah. it up. <laughs> so he, he and my dad were buddies, mm. and uh, it was kind of cool, you know. And then sometimes, you know, when they would make a movie, I forget what's this. <sighs> we had movie stars come to our house to eat. Mm. Because they were filming a movie and they, you know, they were in Louisiana. So, Powers Booth, Booth, the, 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 an actor. His last name was Booth. 
Okay. Can't, I can't remember. I, remember. I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. It was cool. I mean, get to my dad was a. It was, it was weird. My mom was a conservative. Still, mom's still alive. She conservative mm-hmm. Catholic. My dad was kind of a hippie, wanting to be conservative, but mm-hmm. still a hippie. We the tell tell story is that we own nothing but Volkswagens. Volkswagens. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Bugs, buses. Yeah, yeah. That's what I drove in high school. Is Volkswagen van. Nice. Yeah, wow. Well, it was a party. <laughs> party. It wasn't the coolest vehicle to have, but I mean, it's definitely a hippie, a hippie car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious how do you know i guess maybe was it through drum corps that that you know about north texas i mean i knew everybody knew about north texas it was like there's this huge music school mm-hmm. you know produced great players you know so to go there would be a, you know a dream come true kind of thing and when we were at usl we competed at PASIC, the drum line <laughs> competition yeah so the first one was in 1982 in dallas so we went we and we were just a bunch of kids from the swamp i mean most of the guys in the drum line never been outside of louisiana now not all of them because we had a stacked snare line actually Mm -hmm. and tenor line basically the whole snare line was pretty much the phantom regiment snare line right and then the tenor line, we had two guys that marched in the Cavaliers. So even though we were kind of, it was, it was a weird thing. The band programs in Lafayette were phenomenal, even though, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the country. It's in right. the swamp, you know. So a lot of these guys went and marched drum corps and became really good. So we had this great drum line. We didn't know how good we were. We had no idea. But we competed, went to Dallas, got off the bus, competed. I remember because Dennis DeLucia was one of the judges and, and uh, the Bridgman were there doing a clinic. Mm-hmm. So Pat, so some of my friends were there, Pat Petrillo, uh, Matt Savage. You know, I knew them from drum corps. So it's like I remember hanging out with them. That's cool. And um, so we played. And back then you just did a bunch of solos. We did four solos. Previous, well, three of them were like one was a Phantom Regiment solo. One was the Bridgman solo. And one was a Blue Devil solo, and then one was one we wrote on our own. And uh, anyway, we won. We played, and we won. North Texas, I believe, was fourth place. And like, not, not happy that, about that, I would imagine. <laughs> well, I tell people that now. Yeah, I said, you know, in the first competition, North Texas was like fourth place. They go, no way, no way, because they're such, right. they're, you know, they're so dominant. I mean, they, oh my god. Like they had to disqualify them, and they, they were too good for so long. So, so we won. So next year, the next one was in Knoxville, Tennessee. We mm-hmm. went there, and and we won again. I think Michigan State was second. North Texas was down again, down there. So, Doctor Robert Citroma, who was at North Texas saw us and he and he came up to me and he, he asked me he said what do you what do you plan on doing for graduate school i said i don't know i said i guess i don't know if i'm going to graduate school i kind of want to just go to new york and see if i can make it they say if you make it there you can make it anywhere so, <laughs> right um, that's what i do but then i got married <sighs> don't get married to you till you can pay your own bills <laughs> Yeah. As my dad says, you're not an adult until you can pay your own bills. I say don't. Actually, there should be a law. 25. No, no earlier than 25. Don't get married for 25. The thing is, here's the thing is, I couldn't go to New York. I couldn't. I had to I had to make money. I had to do something more secure than that because I was married. Yeah. So. So I said, well, I'm go to grad school. He goes, well, I want you to come to North Texas and teach the drum line. I said, really okay <laughs> yeah so that was that was it that was, so i went there and we we won basic that that next year nice and and then we won the the three years i taught the drum line we won all through that was the first years that they won 
and then shoot, they never lost after that. I think maybe once to Michigan State or something. You know, so it was just a a dynasty. Right. So um yeah, that's why I went to North Texas and then after that I went to University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I even went to PASIC with University of Iowa once and we got fourth place. Uh, and for for University of Iowa to go to PASIC and get fourth place, that was like winning the Super Bowl. Because this was just a bunch of farm kids that had no idea what was going on. I mean, nothing. They didn't have that culture there whatsoever. And uh, so to do that there, actually, you know, I, I... we won. I won all those other titles, but I, I think that was my greatest victory. Mm-hmm. Was fourth place with the University of Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I always think about how it's like you know what. So there's you know because you can go to a program that's a one. You know if we think about it in the, like the high school setting, it's like mm-hmm. if you won and maintain a one. Okay, that's that's one thing. But if you take a group that's like a four and get them to a two. Like you're a magician. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's your job. I mean, that's yeah. that's what we're here to do to educate and right. and and do that sort of thing. So I I love doing that. I mean, I love yeah. taking something from here and bringing it there. You know, it's that that's that's where the, a lot of the fun is. Yeah, it's making it better. I mean, just yeah. and with students and with yourself, just getting better. Just just get better. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were at Iowa, had you had any um, band directing experience before then? I mean, because you said no. you were doing the athletic. So no, no, no band directing experience. I've never had band directing experience. In fact, these guys, these guys go to they go to uh, their conducting classes. You know, they'll spend a whole semester, two semesters, three sem- on conducting. I'm going, what? It's the big deal. How hard is this? You guys, let me show you. I'm going to show you. I tell I'm going to show you how to conduct in 60 seconds. All you need to know right here. You ready? You got to snap your finger. Everybody do this. Okay. That's two and that's four. One, two, three, four, one, two. That's all you got to do. Now go one, two, one, two, ready, go. And then get out of the way. That's all you need to know. That and and have your horn by you at all times. Have your instrument by you at all times because the the number one way to teach. I don't care what it is. It can be manners. It could be a language. It could be a sport. It can be music. It can be anything. The number one way to teach is by example. That's number one. Nothing better than teaching by example, because the best way to learn is to, to observe. The best way to learn is, is by observing and imitating. So if you can do something by example, they're going to learn 10 times faster and 10 times better than if you yell at them or even explain it. Right. Just do it. So I say that all the time in my lessons. I say, you know, just, just watch. Mm-hmm. Do this. Go ahead. Now go look in a mirror and see if you're doing it the same as I am. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned from Marty Hurley in that first lesson. Yeah. I don't rem- I say I learned, I know that lesson. Like, like I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Not all of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember what he said, except for don't come back until you, you know that was you know, right. But the rest of it, I don't remember too much. What I remember is him playing and watching him and just be going, Oh my God, I got to do this. That's the and and any time he played after that, he would come up and play on your drum, and you're just going, holy, holy moly. Okay, that's how you do it. Jeez. Yeah. It's like it's like Thor coming up and playing on your drum. He had so much power, but he wasn't a big guy. You know, it's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, so that, you learn that way. So I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. Teach by example. So when I see people teaching, I say, man, you're not a band director. You're a band organizer band a band coach or something a band you know unless you're unless you're showing them how to do it i'm not sure you're teaching them much of anything Mm 
in my opinion. That may be a strong opinion too. I don't know, but yeah. Well, I mean, if you're getting, if within that process you're also explaining, like, I mean, you sounds like at least like in, if you, when you talked about the theory part of of what you were doing, that that was. You that you were like you were giving them the bait like you were doing the theory lesson while they were learning scales or you know while they were playing the piece, right? I mean, like yeah. you're, it's very much a holistic approach to absolutely you know. yeah functional functional theory. So you're actually practicing your theory. You're not just yeah. talking about it, right? Yeah, but yeah, all that. So yeah, you have to have explanation too. But it, but the most important thing is to do is to by example, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing as like you, you say, if you tell a kid, don't, hey, don't steal. Stealing's not right. And then you turn around and they see you steal something. What's mm-hmm. what's the louder message? Right. Obviously. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. I guess how, oh, how do you oh, end up actually at Iowa? Oh, band directing. Band yes. directing. I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. At Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was, yeah, athletic band director. That was my position, assistant right. athletic band director. So part of it was the drum line. Okay. That I didn't need any help. You knew, you knew how to do that already. Yeah, that was fine. Oh. Yep. So the pep band. Yes. I had this 75-piece brass pep band, all brass, no oh, woodwinds. No. Actually, we had one saxophone player <laughs> that stood up in the front with me and would take all the solos. <laughs> nice. I took – I would go find the, the tenor – the tenor player in the jazz band and say, Hey, we got a big scholarship for you. Yeah. Come up, come up here and just play solos. Uh huh. Nice. So, um, so actually I learned a lot in that position and, but it's all the same. I said, look, I need a good bass player and a good drummer because mm-hmm. it's all pop music in the pet right. band. Yeah. And if that, I don't, you don't need to do this in a pet band. What, what sure. do you need to do this for? Yeah. If you, have a, you put drummer. on a show, John, you put on a show. Come on. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not into that. So, yeah. It's <laughs> like you have stick tricks that'll put on a show. But I tell you what, I tell you what. No, I've I've offended many, many, many a drum majors to tell them, look, you're just here to put on a show. You're you're not even being used at this moment. And they're like, what? I'm the leader of this group. I'm going. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, the guy in the middle of the snare line. He's the leader because everybody's cueing on, on him. You just have to keep it together. Think of yourself as like the glue. Yeah. You know, there's times you just need to get out of the way and let nature take its course. You know, at certain points, depending on where the line is and where the focal point is or whatever. So, but most of the time, your job is to stay with his feet right. and keep the horns in his tempo. Right. That's your job. If if you're actually in time, if I ever come up here and your hands are in time with the music, then you're late. You're, you're way behind the beat. You should be watching feet. You, you shouldn't be listening to anything. You know, so anyway, there's that's a whole, I did a whole clinic when I, you know, because I did all the uh, ensemble rehearsals for the Phantom Regiment. Mm-hmm. And, be, and it's all because, you know, I studied acoustics, you know, uh, putting it all together. I love doing that. It was like a puzzle. So I did that. So doing that in, in the college really wasn't that big a deal. The part I learned a lot from was arranging. You know, mm-hmm. I had to do all the arrangements for the pep band. We had to do. And then we even did we even did a halftime show on the basketball court. We did a James Brown show one year. Nice. And so and while I was doing that, I wrote the show for the. Uh, Night Express Drum and Bugle Corps, the Emerald Knights. But I did the whole show. I wrote the horns, percussion, everything, which, mm-hmm. you know, you don't hear that very often. I'm not sure a horn. Do I know anybody? Let me think. I don't think I know anybody. I don't think I know any horn players. They're, I'm sure they are, they're out there. I just don't know them. The horn players that could write a competitive drum book. But I do know drummers, or percussionists, that can write a competitive horn book. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 you know, that's one thing that's unfair real quick, you know, that you, which I think is totally unfair mm-hmm. is that like, and there, I'm sure this isn't just at our school, but a lot of schools like these colleges pay a lot of money 
for horn arrangements. They pay guys thousands of dollars for horn arrangements. And they come back and they give the horn arrangement to a grad student or somebody say, here, write drum parts for this. They're like, wait, what? You know, it takes three times as long to write battery parts as it does a horn arrangement. You guys are playing half notes. These, ho- these notes with holes in them, we don't have any of those. And we're writing, you know, 30 sec, all this intricate stuff, yeah. tons and tons of notes. And then front ensemble too, you know, just a ton of arranging and, and you expect us to do this for nothing. So I, I, that's a real problem I have here. I tell them every year, I said, y'all need to pay the people writing the, if whether it's a grad assistant or the students, y'all need to pay them just like you pay the horn guy. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, I think that's, I think that's true at a lot of schools. But just need to put our foot down. Don't accept that. All right. Well, I finish up with a segment called Random Ask Questions. Ran- random Ask Questions or mm-hmm. Random Ask Questions? You need the first one. Random Ask. Yeah, random yeah. Ask Questions. Yeah, yeah. Random Ask Questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, first one is so some of these are, aren't random necessarily, but the first question I do ask is what's an issue? And it's possible you've answered this, but you could answer it or cover a different topic. But something okay. in percussion education or percussion performance that most gets under your skin or drives you the most nuts? Marimba player choreography. <laughs> uh-huh. All, the, all that bullshit stuff they do. Uh-huh. Not I, a actually had, I actually had somebody, I won't say who. Mm-hmm. But I had a clinician come to the university and says, no, when you hit the note, you got to stare at it and that'll make it sustain longer. I'm like going, what? I said, yeah, when you hit the note, bring your mallets off and stare at the note and it will sustain longer. I said, what are you, a freaking mu- magician? <laughs> I thought you were a musician, not a magician. What? That's like magic. I said, how the hell is you looking at that note? going to make it sustain longer <laughs> what physics class did you take acoustical physics class did you take that explained this i want to see that so yeah but anyway you yeah. know sometimes you know sometimes i get it, it it's beautiful <laughs> but sometimes it's so over the top it's like come on mm. please just play the music yeah and the, and the stuff they do in in marching band you know the sometimes i can I can tell if a student comes in and he's doing one of those, he plays one note, he does just all this dramatic stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. I go, all right, cut it out. Yeah. That's, I I don't know who taught you that, or I don't know why y'all do it, but it's annoying as fuck. I mean, it's just, (laughs) God, it's so distracting. Yeah. To me. That's a that's a front ensemble specific issue. It sounds like. yeah. It's got yeah. But you know, classical maroon players sometimes over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just get annoyed by it. It's just yeah. it's just me. It's not it's nothing personal. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen uh Todd Meehan's video about that? Yes. That's awesome. That's the Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so trap door. Yeah, listen to this. Go watch that. I remember the first yeah. time I saw it. I I nearly peed in my pants. <laughs> Same. I said, he's got it. This guy <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there was a uh, I don't know for them all. Yeah, those are those are amazing. There was a one of my favorites that was a pop one was I don't know if you ever saw Dana Carvey's um, when he would do the the rock band part of it. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, yeah. but he does like that where uh, it's like a magic trick when they change chords on the guitar. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that was yeah, always my that. yeah. That's good. <laughs> so yeah. I I got you. That's that's hilarious. Um, all right. Other questions. Has anyone now we're just now we're not necessarily talking about music, but has anyone ever nailed an impression of you? And if so, how'd they do it? That's a good question. I have a student who did an impression of me and he did it and everybody starts laughing. And and I'm like, what are you all laughing at? They go, oh, my God, he nailed it. It's like uh, I get his last name. Tyler Jenkins. 
They did a piece, and he came out on stage, and he's dressed. Okay, he's kind of wearing what I would wear, you know. And he starts saying these things. Like the first thing he goes, he kept saying, "What you got? What you got?" And I go, and I'm like going, "I don't say that." And everybody goes, "Yes, you do all the time. You say it all the time." I'm like going, "What?" Like and he starts doing these other mannerisms. I go. Man, do I do that? And so I started watching record. And then actually now, every time I go into a lesson, I realize at the beginning of every single lesson, I say, what you got? <laughs> I never knew I said that till I saw hit this. And it was on a performance. It was actually, you know what they did? They did a table. Was it table talk? It's a Mark Ford piece. Oh, head talk? Head. It went... Was it head talk? It might have been that's the one with talk. the with the heads and they with the drum heads. But there's another one he has. It's on the t- it's on the table. It might oh, have been okay. head talk. But and and he was Mark. Oh, Ford I know. I, it's like the coffee cup piece or something like that. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. coffee cup piece. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And Mark Ford was he was our guest artist, so he yeah. was there. And then, but they this guy came out imitating me, and and everybody was laughing. I'm like going, "What are y'all laughing at? Yeah, Isn't yeah. funny." So I guess he nailed it. It's Tyler <laughs> Jenkins. He just he actually he's he just gave his senior recital. He's graduating. Nice. I was like I was like four years ago. He's a he's a six year, you know, one of those six year studies. Yeah, yeah. 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 They need a couple of years to kind of figure it out and then they're then they're fine. Yeah, well. And and you know, music education is a tough degree. Yes. It's a tough degree. Yeah. It's not for everybody. And it takes it can take a long time, you know. So many hours. We, it's unfair, really. Yeah. Music education degree is totally unfair. It's, it's for for the hours they put in. They put in more hours than any other degree plan on the campus, yep. and they get paid less than anybody on the campus when they leave. It's yes. just totally not fair. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, we wake up and realize how much, how important education is in this country, you know, cause we're getting behind quickly. You know, they're, they're doing this in other countries. Education's important, more, right. way more important than it is here. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. All right. Next question. Next question. Your biggest kitchen mess up. Kitchen. Mess- Man, I tell you what, I didn't mess up this weekend. Cause I had my wife, we just made a gumbo oh, that wow. was unbelievable. It's the best one we've done so far. My biggest kitchen mess up. Well, it's probably on the grill. Okay. I do all the grilling. My wife is an amazing cook. So she's a, like, I when I sit down for dinner, I feel like I'm at a five-star restaurant every single night. Awesome. Like Michelin star kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single night. So biggest, my biggest mess up, I, I guess just... You know, any it's a crime to overcook fish, yeah, and a crime to undercook chicken. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I I can't remember anyone in particular, but I know I made somebody sick once upon a time. Yeah, mm. but um, kitchen biggest kitchen. I don't know that I have a biggest. You know, I don't know. I got you. Yeah, one of those. It, it went in one of those directions. It sounds like. Yeah, I never had any major, major That's good. mistakes, like burning the hell out of a turkey on Thanksgiving or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I never did. At least I haven't. I know somebody has, yeah. but I, I haven't done that. And this is not really, but when did Dr. Throwdown, when did that name oh, go up? Uh, the guys at Roll Off Productions gave me that name. Mm. It, you know how they put out those CDs? Uh, they now, I guess they still put out CDs. They roll off, and they and it and each each season, it's a theme, right? You know, they have an announcer in between and everyone. And uh, so, one year it was the announcer was uh, uh, like a, it was supposed to be like a Detroit DJ. Okay, you know, he was like, "All right, hey, here's you know, kind of like what was his name? Wolfman uh, Jack. Wolfman Jack. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah." But it's supposed to be a, it's this big black guy. Actually, it was a big black guy. I met I met him, mm-hmm. and uh, so on the C on this CD they were advertising Eddie Freitag's uh, Cuban Concerto. 
Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that piece. It's a snare drum solo. Okay. And he wrote that for me to play. So with me in mind playing. So they got me to record it. I went up to Nashville and recorded it with the ensemble, the Cuban concerto. And when they played it, so I said, oh, I got the CD. And so it, I, I remember when it came in the mail, I got it. And I, there were a bunch of students in my office at the university. And I put it in. I said, check this out. This is the recording that I went up to Nashville to do. So they put it on. And uh, so the, the whole thing went on. The, they played it. I said, pretty cool. And at the end, right at the very end, this DJ comes on. He goes, all right, Dr. John Wooten, Dr. Throw Down. Man, you were throwing down. And it's like, I'm like going, what? And all my students go, Dr. Throwdown? Oh, that's it. That's it. You're now Dr. Throwdown. And so, and from that point forward, it's been Dr. Throwdown. That's awesome. So I got my motto on this shirt. You can see it. So it's it's slow it down, break it down, so you can throw throw it down. Nice. Signed by Dr. Throwdown. Nice. So that's... Yeah, that's my motto. Works works with everything, actually. Sports, yeah. music, language. Slow yeah. it down, break it down, so you can throw it down. Yeah, yeah. Do you, now, are, have you required um, your family members to change their name too? No, no. It's, uh, it's just it's a personal thing. Okay. Yeah, they don't even have to call me that. But Actually, now, you know, I do all my classes, the, all the stuff I do with Drumeo. Yeah. They all, everyone there calls me Dr. T, the nice. Dr. Throwdown. So yeah, it's yeah. now they've shortened it to Dr. T. So, wow. And they're like, who's this John Wooten guy? Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, that's your name. <laughs> it's funny because some somebody will call me John. They go, he's not John. Like, it depends on who it is. Like, my yeah. students call me Doc. Or, yeah. you know, young ones call me Dr. Wooten. Most of them call me Doc. Everyone at Drumio calls me Dr. T. And then so so when somebody comes in and says, hey, John, that's not John. That's Doc. That's I said, no, it's John. That's the name my mom gave me. And I like it. Yeah. (laughs) And I like it. (laughs) So how often and in what ways does your last name get butchered? Oh, my God. All I mean, everybody, like I was telling you, three O's like the river. So it makes people, I just think it's an extra layer, makes people think a little more, you know. Mm. Three O's like the river. They start thinking of it. But then they remember how to spell my name. Right. You know, it's all O's. No, There's no E. Yeah. And uh, But most people... I mean, I've got, I've had it misspelled with, usually with an E, W-O-O-T-E-N, mm-hmm. you know, Victor Wooten, he, right. spells it, of course. He, he spells it with an E. Yeah. So, um, the original spelling of Wooten had two T's. Okay. And in fact, in England, although there's several places called Wooten, there's a Wooten, uh, between Birmingham and, and, and London is, that's where Wooten, there's a Wooten village. And it's Wooten River, Wooten Bridge, you know. So it's an English name. So my dad was English, although I'm mostly French-Canadian, Cajun, from my mother's side. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they they spell one time. One time I sent a bio. Usually they just spell the first name right, but I sent my bio. I remember this to a clinic one time. It's somewhere like in Minnesota or something. And then I went there and I t- got the program and I opened the program and I look at the program and my name, of course, spelled with an E at the top, John Wu Tin. Mm-hmm. And then through the bio, they changed every one to E-N. This is the bio I sent them. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they, like, what was they thinking? This guy doesn't know how to spell his own name. Let's change this. Like he spelled it wrong like 12 times. We're going to change every one. So, yeah, it gets misspelled a lot, but that sounds actually that sounds like a like a cut and paste autocorrect and they're just like correct all. Yeah. Just they just left it. I guess. 
<laughs> Sometimes I have to say Wu Tun if I really need yeah. them to spell it right. Wu Tun. Yeah. But most everyone spells it wrong when they just first hear it. Wu Tin. Wu Wooten. Because it, yeah. so, it sounds like an E. Wu Tun. Okay. If you had to, if I enunciate Wu Tun, mm-hmm. a ton of Wu. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah. Ton of Wu. Doctor T. Ton of Wu. I like it. Rio's like the river. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned since you've mentioned tennis, Federer or Nadal. Federer. Okay. See, so we can still now we can still we can still be friends. Yeah. I mean, I love Nadal. I mean, he just works too hard. I can't play like Nadal. I kill well, myself. Yeah. I mean, that's why he gets injured all the time. Yeah, he just you watch him, you just go, how do you how do you play like that? I mean, and yeah. he gets injured, and that's why. Yeah. And then you look at Federer. And Feder, I use Feder as an analogy all the time. Yeah. On how to how to strike a drum. Yeah. You know when you, it's the same thing. It's exact. You know how we go through this motion. You know if we do, you know, we work on our rebound strokes or upstrokes or something, and we do it over and over, one hand at a time, just yeah. over and over, just to get the motion right, to mm-hmm. get it memorized and you know and tuned in and everything. Yeah. That's that's Federer's backhand. I mean, you hmm. can't tell me that guy didn't hit a million balls yeah. just keeping his head down the way he keeps his head down. And he makes it look so easy. Yeah. You know, he hits a backhand and it's just as smooth as butter. Yeah. Yeah. Suave como mantequilla. <laughs> smooth yeah. as butter. But when he hits it, it sounds like a cannon. Like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. That ball. My God. But right. he But he makes it effortless. Yeah. You know, so when you see that effortlessness in a tennis player, it's the same thing. When you watch a drummer and you go, how do they make this look so easy? Right. You know, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. It is easy. That's why. They make it easy. Right. Same thing. When someone sees, you know, me playing fast paradiddles or something, they go, how do you make that look so easy? I said, because it is. (laughs) If you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. So the same. So that's what I strive. Yeah, yeah. Playing tennis, I try to catch my tennis game up with my drumming, which mm-hmm. is never going to because, well, here's the thing is, you know, that's there's a lot to be said about learning something at a young age. Right. You just we have as you get older, you, you create bad habits and then you not only have to break the habit, then you have to retrain. Whereas yeah. at a young age, you just re, you just there's no habits. You just right. it's just training. So that's why child prodigies is such a common thing. Mm-hmm. Kids, kids learn fast. Yeah. Kids learn way faster than we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I say, teach them traditional grip right away. They say, but traditional grip is hard. I said, yeah, but kids are smarter than you. So teach yeah. it right away. Well, I mean, teach it you, right. You know, hopefully teach it teach right. Traditional grip right. That's do both. Kids could play, shoot. They could play all ways. They could play that way, yeah. this way. Oh mm-hmm. no, 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 no. No, you see, you're limited to that. They right. are not. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's a whole philosophy we can get into with that. But yeah, yeah. My well, my thing. I mean, that was that was always my my issue when seeing with with working with traditional has always been watching people just learn it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and just and like and then they they like either are too tight or. Whatever, and it's like, and and that's like trying to break that cycle was always a, a challenge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, learn it right. Yeah, get them young, teach them right. Good teachers, you know, and and good examples. Right Getting back to that thing, teaching yeah. by example. Yeah. So, my my story with Federer, uh, because Federer is like one of my favorite athletes of all time, is that oh, I got, to, I happened to get to see. In 2013, I went to Wim- first day of Wimbledon, where both Federer and Nadal were playing, um, and I happened to go see them both warm up, like one after the other. Mm-hmm. And Federer is exactly what you said. It was it was loose. It was easy. He was he was behind the baseline, do, doing backhand slices, and they were all dropping like, you know, he was on like the left side and dropping them on the right side, right over like perfectly just five in a row just a drop shot from behind the baseline like it was no big deal okay 
Nadal gets on there, and you can hear the ball coming off the racket. It, he is hitting the crap out of it, and yeah. just like the whistle, and it was like, the, and it was just like this is the difference between. The, and also Nadal, I just never it didn't occur to me until I saw him in person how he's like he's jacked, like it's uh, but but he's also tall. Like he doesn't seem like he's six one or six two. Like, but he didn't seem that tall when I'd watch him on. You know, no, 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 the doll is a piece of gristle. Yeah, <laughs> he's nothing but gristle, man. That guy. I mean, he has to be because he. I I'd like to know how many calories he burns in a match. Oh yeah, compared to like say Federer. Yeah, it's got to be twice as many. Right. Yeah, but Federer to prep is like that's the thing. Like you don't see the the preparation that Federer does to to get in the shape that he needs to be in when he's at his yeah prep. right. But he oh he kick he busts his ass. It's just the yep. way their their games yeah different yeah for sure yeah. yeah. But I mean before that I mean Bjorn Borg was one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I, I love Bjorn Borg. Yeah. Did um, you like um? What did you think about Lendl? He probably he probably was. I I, I mean I just I don't have that game. I mean yeah. I'm not. That's like Pete Sampras. I don't have that game. Yeah. I. I can't even imagine serving a ball that hard. I mean, I, I that's I don't have that game, so I I kind of gravitate to the people that are more my stature mm-hmm. uh, and play more like 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 I do. Yeah. Like uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the Australian player from the serving volley. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, those guys, I loved watching those guys. The serving mm-hmm. value. I wish that was a thing still. Yeah. But you don't see that much. Now it's baseliners just right. smacking the ball. Our servers. Yeah. Giant servers. Which, you know, hey, that's impressive, but I don't want to watch that match. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, one last compliment towards Federer, because I will just keep giving him is I, yeah. the, he was always the most fun when he was destroying somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like he would try stuff out. He would yeah. like, he would throw backspin on things that had no reason to have backspin. It right. was, it was always, it was always yeah. fun. I tell you the most entertaining tennis, those doubles, especially live. If you're watching oh. tennis live is, is watching doubles, especially at that level. I've mm-hmm. been to the U S open and Wimbledon. And, and uh, I tell you, man, watching doubles is like, Oh my God, those guys! I mean, it's so fast. What the hell just happened? Yeah, and and like the Bryan brothers, watching them, watching them is amazing because they share a brain. Right, they know where the other guy is at all times, mm-hmm. no matter. You know, they got eyes behind their heads. I mean, they just played together so long; they know exactly. It's just that's. That to me was that was like watching art. Yeah, just beautiful art. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah. Couple, couple more. Um, funniest, strangest, or most bizarre performance moment that involves you? Okay, I got it. All right. I th- I think this might be the strangest, funniest. Yeah. Let me think if there's another one. There's been a. I mean, there's been a lot. You know? Sure. Yeah. You have a lot to choose from. I, I understand. But there was one at North, when I was at North Texas. Yeah. And that, that everyone that was at that concert will remember for the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. And the, it actually, two things happened on the same concert. Um, the first one was we did this piece for rocks. It was all, we were all grad students and it was in the round. We were, we surrounded the audience and we all had several rocks and we're beating okay. on rocks. And Dr. Shatroma is standing in the middle of the audience conducting this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of the guys missed his cue. And he and this all relied on people getting their cue because everything would follow after yeah. that. Missed his cue. And this thing just fell apart. And here's the thing. We're beating on rocks. No one in the audience knows what the hell's going on. Right. We could have improvised the entire piece and they, they wouldn't have known any different. Yeah, it would have been fine. So he missed his cue. And and Dr. Shatroma actually has some rocks that he has to hit. <laughs> and he has his rocks. 
and it just falls apart. Yeah. And we're in the middle of the piece. I mean, like dead center, like mm-hmm. halfway through. He takes his rocks, throws them on the ground like that, and walks off. <laughs> like, what just happened? It's crazy. So I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get chewed out. I'm, I don't know. And so people start clapping. Yeah. And that's when I realized this is just this is bullshit music. <laughs> like nobody even knows we were halfway done. People thought that was the end. Just the the director throws the rocks down and storms off. That's that's how this piece ends. How it ends. Oh, but oh, it's so funny. That <laughs> I, that and on the same same concert, very quiet moment, and and uh, the tam tam string breaks. And this ginormous 32-inch tam-tam hits the ground. The loudest thing you can imagine, especially in a very sweet moment in the middle of a soft movement. Uh, that one. Oh, co- this is one concert. This is in the same concert. This is in the same concert. Shatroma storms off. And are you do do you, what happens to the group? Are you all just kind of like do you, is there just you just frozen like you're just waiting? We're dumbfounded. For- <laughs> We're just dumbfounded. I'm just I was one of the younger players there, so I'm like going. I looked at JB Smith. Uh, <laughs> JB just retired from Arizona yeah. State. Yeah, he was, and I looked at him because he was like the oldest one in the group. I just, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. He goes, pick up your rocks. So he just. <laughs> picked up our rocks and went got ready for the next piece <laughs> i went oh my god that's so crazy <laughs> yeah oh that's amazing so this is the music business huh? yes <laughs> you know all right <laughs> that's great yeah. i right. never had anything here at southern miss in 30 yeah. years i never had anything like that happen <laughs> ever Nothing that crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. Last question, John. What one piece of art could be music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, anything has impacted you the most recently? Well, I I love art. You know, my wife, she's a painter. She Mm -hmm. paints. When we travel, we make it, make it a point to go see lots of great art. Yeah. Uh, the Van Gogh exhibit was a big one. We saw that in New York recently. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I don't know if that's the one that made an impression. I, there are other artists that that, that uh, I'm thinking of paintings right now, but sure, yeah, no, great. All the time, there's musicians that blow me away. The vibraphone, the vibraphone concert at Pasek, the very first concert of the night of the of Pasek. A friend of mine started the concert, Jason Marsalis, who's mm. a friend of mine from you know I'm down here in New Orleans. <clears throat> oh my God, that was a beautiful. I mean that was whew, that was great. But there's we've seen so much stuff lately that it's been super impressive. It's been actually. If 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 there's people that haven't been to Pasic, there's there's concerts there. We've I, I talked to my wife. I said that's two years in a row. We've been just totally blown away at a concert where we're just sitting there in awe. The Michelle Camilo concert. Oh my goodness! Holy cow! Yeah, we sat there. Don't I mean seriously? People like got up and leaving. I go, I, I'm kind of numb. <laughs> I'm like, did we just see, did we just Giovanni Hidalgo and Daphne Spreto. Yes. Michelle Camille. I mean, we were just sitting there like going, holy crap. Did we just, yeah. did this just happen? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, wow, what a great life to experience stuff like that. Several paintings that, you know, famous paintings, but some of them, of course, affect me more. Like, the, uh, uh, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm a big fan of Impressionism. Hmm. Um, I saw a Monet, an actual Monet in Dallas, actually, last year, year before last. Where it like uh, took I mean, up the whole like side of the building, basically, kind of. No, it's a, sh- a small one. Small, okay. It was the is the Sailor Man. Okay. The, the famous sailor painting. 
that he mm-hmm. does. And you, when you, but I got to get up close, and you can see every brush stroke. Yeah, that to me, how how do you make all these one little brush strokes? When you back away, then you see the big picture. How do you do that? And I tried to compare it to music, and it's I guess it's like, you know, when you listen to a piece of music, you hear this great orchestration, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't hear all the inside voices, you know, all right. the little things, yeah. all the inner inner harmonies, yeah. or little ghost notes or whatever, that makes it beautiful. I guess that's I guess that's a fair analogy to to art. Mm-hmm. That and we saw a Klimt, uh the Kiss, in Vienna. The Kiss. The the Klimt, uh, K L I M T. Okay. The uh, the famous painting, The Kiss. Actually, we have a we have a. It's not in here. We have a copy of. It. And my now my wife is doing some gold leaf. It's done with gold leaf. She she made a painting for me. Where is that? I don't know where she put that painting. Figured it'd be in here. I have a painting of hers right here, right above me. It's a it's a nude. So, I don't know. so <laughs> well, I saw, I, I looked anyway. up the, I looked up the, clip, the the kiss just now. Yeah, and I okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we took a picture in front of the kiss kissing. Is you oh. know cliche, but you know yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, she just did a painting for me for Christmas of a steel pan player, but with the same patterns that Klimt uses in the kiss and mm. gold leaf, but it's a pan player. It's pretty cool. So actually her art, I would say, you know, you know, stuff like that's amazing. You know, when I see that or even even food too. food is, oh, I love food. You know, and when you when you when someone really knows what they're doing with food. Yeah. It can be extraordinary. So, yeah, I think. Well, that's a tough question because um, if if I had to give any advice to to my students or any young people, it's just learn how to appreciate things. Yeah, it it makes life so much more valuable. Everything in life, I mean, just learn how to appreciate things, even things you you don't like. Like for example, mm-hmm. I love, I absolutely love watching Steve Schick. Hmm. He makes an impression on me when he plays. Yeah. I would not play that music. I don't want to I don't like that music. Yeah. I don't care for it. It's I I just not what I'm going to put on in my car or I might get in a wreck. But oh my god, he's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying, just appreciate. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, see, I'm glad you said that because that's what, when I've seen, I saw him play, I think like Bone Alphabet, you know, like at some point, you know, and that's, that's as plank plank plug as it probably gets. And I remember just thinking like, I don't know if I would consider this the best I'm ever going to hear of this piece, but it probably is because it's him and because of the amount of thought and, and, uh, you know, care he puts into this. And the way that he presents it, you're like, like I, I was way more connected to that work than I thought I would. Yeah, be. no, you said that very well. You can hear that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate it. Yeah. But there are things that are, you know, when you when you when you have something, and it's awesome. It's just incredible. Rejoice in that. Yeah. Take time to rejoice in that and appreciate it. Like at, like when the, we play in the steel band, sometimes we'll play something and it's like, oh my God, that was awesome. And, and I mean I mean that as awesome. You know, we use that word way too much. Right. But that time, that was, it was, I was in awe. So therefore it was awesome. But, um, and then and then I'll watch some of the students and like, eh, like, what, what do you mean? Uh, what are you what talking? Why? why? Yeah. You know, it's, if you're going to get down on yourself and go, man, that sucked. God, you got to do that better. Then when you do it better, you better be the opposite and say, that was awesome. Yeah. That was great. I love that. Yeah. I want to do that again and be hungry for it. Yeah. So I think, you know, and that's a, a 
just learning how to appreciate things. And I think it's, it's also a cultural thing. You know, we're, we're in some places we're taught to be conservative and don't, don't let people know how you're feeling. Right. You know, it's also a maturity thing as well, you know, but yeah, man, but, but yes, but this is a good piece of food in my mouth and it's great. I'm going to let people know. Yeah. Oh, did you taste this? Yeah. yeah. You got to have some of this. Yeah. I think about that with teaching. I, I'm with you a hundred percent in terms of the, the experiencing that kind of thing. I, I don't know if you knew Court McLaren, because um, yeah. he was my he was my grad teacher. Okay. And, and I, um, I got a, so I got a court story, but go ahead. Oh, I'm definitely going to want to hear it. So, um, but he would he did that a lot where he would be really really he would be very critical for 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 very specific reasons and and was the best that just like could go straight to the source of the problem and tell you how to fix it. And then we're going to do it again and like, and fix it, blah, blah, blah. So he would be like that. And then when something was really good, he was like the most excited person. He was like, yes, yes. Like, I mean, that kind of thing. And, and you would get like really pumped up, you know, like, like you wanted to get that out of him. You wanted him to go to that point. Yeah. And so, you know, like, and I try to do that sometimes with my students where like when it's good, like I will be excited. Yeah. And kind of like you're saying, like, this is awesome. And I want you to be experiencing that awesomeness with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know Court and he, yeah. he's a passionate person. I mean, yes. So I think that's the answer. Just be passionate. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just be passionate. Screw what anybody thinks, because nobody cares. No, nobody's watching you anyway. Right. So be passionate about it, and you actually it might rub off on other people. But Court, one time, actually, get this. So we were talking about that audition. When I went and auditioned for my job at Southern Miss, mm-hmm. when I was teaching at University of Iowa, I was doing the basketball band, yeah. and we had a reg- We were in the regional at Greensboro. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was in Greensboro and I called him up. I said, man, I'm getting ready to do an audition and we're gone for two weeks. I need a, I need something to practice on. So he said at the time they were rebuilding the music school and they were in a house. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. I went over to this house, brought yep. me to the bedroom in the back. Yep. And, and, I know uh, it's, I can see it in my head right now. I know it's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was practicing in this, this house. Yeah. And, and we hung out like that whole week. We had a good time. And uh, I, I just remember that as just said, what a nice guy. What a super nice guy. Because he just said, he just said, yeah, whatever you need, man, you just let me know. So I was there for like two weeks practicing. Yeah, that, that, was, that wasn't a very interesting story. Other than that, yeah, I didn't know him really before that. I just knew yeah. who he was, but right. we got to know each other. Yeah. That's great. Super nice guy. Yeah. I love not meeting nice people like that. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that was glad that was a good experience. That yeah. house is, you know, not everybody's not everybody. Here's 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 a, here's a lesson. You only get one chance for a first impression. Right. Remember that you only get one chance for a first impression. Now, I travel a lot. So I, I repeat this to myself all the time. I can be getting off of a plane with jet lag, you know, with, without having a shower for two days, yeah, yeah. haven't eaten and have to meet a host. And man, I got to smile. Right. I, it's, it's not an option not to, I got to be in a good mood. Yeah. You know, and I, I have every right to bitch mm-hmm. and, but you can't, you know, so that's that's a that's a that's another lesson. Just remember, you only get one chance at a, at a first impression. Yeah. So I've had I've had lots of clinicians, lots of guest artists here at the university over thirty years, a ton of them. And there's there's some, there's many of them who came once. Mm-hmm. Once. Yeah. And that's it. And they're not coming back. Not I learned my there. lesson with the yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, some major disappointments. People yeah. I thought I had up on here on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Life's too short. Yeah. Too short. I, I don't care how good you are. 
I, I, for me to put up with that kind of bullshit, no, it's too short. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I hear. What well, you know that this that's actually a great lesson for students when they go on job interviews. Exactly. Is, is like if you're getting picked up by a faculty member at the airport, that's when this interview begins. It's that's not correct. when you go back to your hotel and the official thing. It's like that car is really that car ride is really important. Even if that's a grad student that, that's picking you up, that is hugely important. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. You got to be on. You got to be on your game from the the minute you yeah you see somebody. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep that in mind all the time when I'm traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, because you're like, I, I might like it here. I might want to come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, oh, man, I, I can't. I don't know of a place that I didn't say, wow. I mean. When are we doing this again? Great. Let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely got to be on my toes. I, and I, I get asked back all the time. Hey, there's a there's a festival I did in the Patagonia in Argentina, I think. Mm-hmm. Seven times. I've done it seven times. Nice. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. I got posters on the wall from different versions of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I go back and they even the even the people in the town remember me. So there's like, oh John Wood's again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, three O's like the river. They say that right back to you, I'm sure. Yeah, they they know how to spell it down there. <laughs> I've been down there enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, John. Hey, man, We're done. Great. It was a great chat, man. I, this, so this was an interview, huh? Yeah, I feel – I mean, sure. Or as a chat or however you want to – Nice you chat. Know. Yeah. Nice getting to know you. I mean, I know I, I talked a lot, but nice getting to meet you and yeah. get to know you a little bit too. Uh, yeah. I'd like to do some more of it. So next time we hang out, let's do it over a beer. That sounds awesome. Pasic or something. I'm, I'm in favor of that. Such a total blast getting to chat with Dr. John, Dr. Throwdown Wooten. I wish him the best of luck as he continues with his endeavors in life, particularly the percussion and tennis and pickup basketball worlds and the food and everything. Just wish him the best. And I look forward to that beer to happen at some future event. This week's rave is the 2021 film The Last Duel. Starring Jodie Comer, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck, and directed by Ridley Scott. Now, if you're familiar with that name, Ridley Scott, there's a lot of reasons for that. The longtime director, now in his sixth decade of directing, has a pretty amazing and extensive opus, including 60-plus films he's directed, which include Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Robin Hood, The Martian, and many, many others. Scott harkens back to his time directing movies of the past, like Gladiator and Robin Hood, to tell the tale of a knight and a squire handling a disagreement with a state-sanctioned duel in 14th century France, the last of its kind from that era. It's pretty straightforward. However, Scott, along with screenwriters Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and especially writer-director Nicole Holofcener, structure the story as a multiple perspectives tale, with each section of the film devoted to the perspective of one of the characters involved in this transgression. Because the story deals with the sexual assault of Jodie Comer, Damon's wife in the film, by Adam Driver, Damon's squire, we get an unfolding of the story from each of the three perspectives. And as these things do... We get to the stories we tell ourselves and each other and the ways that they change depending on who is telling it. When we get about 90 minutes in, after both of the masculine versions have happened, we finally get to Jodie Comer's side. And that is the best and most enlightening part of all of these. And then, two hours in, we get to the final duel, which is incredible. It's a 10-plus minute scene that ramps up the intensity of this hatred between Damon and Driver's characters, all while Comer and the crowd watching take it on. 
and it really pushes the film into another level. Rather than give you much more here, I'm just going to implore you, go ahead and watch The Last Duel, now streaming. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can get every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then. <laughs>